And we are back for another episode of the Trap Life Podcast. Uh, we are still in between seasons. I'm sure this uh, episode will be another fantastic and our uh, bonus collection that we have here. So without further ado, um, our guest for today, take it away. Hi there. I am Dr. Adrienne McKeon. I have a podcast as well. It's called That's Allowed, spelled A-L-O-U-D. I am a creation coach, and basically what that means is that I'm just here to help people create what they're called to create in the world. There you go. I love that. And um, that's, let's just start there for the time being. How did you get into being a creation coach, and um, what does the day-to-day look like for you in terms of that? Yeah, so I, I started out, like most people do, you know, just wanting to figure out what I wanted to create. What was I called to create? What was I here to do? And like a lot of us, I went through a lot of different uh, iterations of myself (laughs) before I hit on one that really felt like me. Um, I spent a lot of my life trying to live up to other people's expectations and trying to be successful by a definition that didn't actually resonate with my soul. And so I ended up doing a lot of jobs and gigs and things that, you know, other people thought I was really great at, but I never felt like were a perfect fit. And so after I lost my last, what I call a support job, I was a, you know, support professional for a long time. After I lost my last, lost my last job doing that, I kind of had to have this heart to heart with myself where I was like, okay, do you really want to get back on that ride again? You kind of know where that one goes. And so it was a very scary transition for me because I think like a lot of people, I was really scared to take that leap because that's where I got my insurance and I have a daughter. And so the idea of having no insurance and no way to, you know, take care of my kid was really, really terrifying to me. And so, but I knew that I could not uh, have a miracle if I didn't take a leap of faith. (laughs) And so I leapt and um, miraculously the universe caught me. And at first, what I was doing was just writing. You know, I I love writing. Writing has always been a passion of mine. And so I figured that what I was called to create in the world was, you know, writing and books. So I started writing books and I started just telling my stories because I really, really believe in the power of storytelling to transform ourselves, but also to transform other people. Because I think once something happens for you, I don't say to you, for you, <laughs> once something happens for you, that experience is what you already got out of it. You already learned something. You already changed. You already kind of grew by getting through that obstacle. Now that story is no longer for you. That story is for other people. And that's why we share our stories. That's why we tell our stories. Because somebody else is out there trying to get through that obstacle that you just came through. And so now you have a roadmap, one possible roadmap through that territory that you could be sharing with those people. And if you kind of hoard it and hold on to it for yourself, what ends up happening is that you stay stuck in it. And you keep looking through the world 
looking at the world through that story. It's like a pair of glasses that you're wearing and you don't even realize you're wearing them until you sort of take them off and look at them and go, what even is this thing? (laughs) Well, it's a story. Look at that. Who's it for? Oh, it's for somebody else entirely, right? (laughs) So what I realized is that, you know, yes, I had these wonderful stories to tell. And so I started telling them on my podcast. But then I realized, wait, my actual gift is in helping other people recognize their stories. My actual gift is in helping other people who've been stuck where I was stuck, not knowing who they are and what their real gifts are, to recognize what they are called to create and to help them get rid of all the limiting beliefs and the blocks that are keeping them from creating that. And so that's how That's Allowed came to be. That was a really long story. I apologize. No, I loved it. So, oh, there's so much I want to unpack from that. So, okay, we're going to just take it question at a time. I'm not just going to unload on you, but that was fantastic. Um, What, so from a story standpoint. Yeah. No, okay. We're going to hold off on that one for a second. (laughs) Okay. But how did that feel kind of, going through the day-to-day feeling stuck what does a stuck point kind of look like can you help Uh, oh boy I think everybody knows what that looks and feels like right we all know what it feels like to feel stuck it's like you keep trying the same thing and getting the same result and then going why is this happening to me again and again right Mm -hmm. (laughs) but because you don't see any other pathways you don't see any other possibilities because that's what you've been told over and over again. No, no, no. You have to go there. You have to you have to get to this one specific spot of success. And so we're all trying to kind of force ourselves down this road. But if that's not the right path for you, you're never going to get there. You know, you're always going to come up against these this obstacle of like, this just doesn't feel right. This doesn't make me happy. This doesn't fulfill me. This doesn't bring me meaning. Often it looks like crying in the back stairwell after something has gone wrong again. And you feel like, why am I not as good at this thing that I think I should be good at, right? Or why am I not living up to this expectation or this standard that somebody else put onto me? Well, surprise, because that's, that has nothing to do with you. That's just, that's just them. They're projecting that they have desires just like you do. And so they're hoping that you're going to be their magic solution, but you are your own magic solution. You are your own knight in shining armor, right? You're not here to save other people. You're here to save you. I always say, you know, we're here to help others, but there are no others. Everything is you. (laughs) We, the whole world is like a mirror right? And so if you want to change the world, you have to change you. That's where it has to start. That's where it has to start. But that's not where it ends. You know, you get into stories about, you know, I love your uh, nickname as the uh, story whisperer. Yes. That's fantastic. (laughs) But do, do you feel, well, I'll take it back in a second, but, um, for you, um, how, how do you distinguish between advice from people, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good advice from people, um, also constructive criticism for people, because you can get good advice from people who actually 
um, don't care about you. You can get good advice from people who do care about you, love you, have your best interest at um, you can also get terrible oh, advice. Terrible from advice from those same people, right? right? And you can yeah, also get they, love you. they mean well, but man, that would work for them. It's not going to work for you, you right. know? So how do we distinguish advice from expectations and mm-hmm. projections? That is such a great question. And I really think it just comes down to your intuition. You know, you have to kind of run it by the, you know, your heart committee. (laughs) And I don't mean like the itty bitty shitty committee in your head that's telling you it'll never work and you're not good enough. It's so easy for us to drop into that not good enough story. Right. And so anything that drops you into that, that puts you into paralysis, apathy, feeling like you're never going to be good enough or you're never going to measure up or it's just, you know, not not working. Anything that does that is not good advice for you, (laughs) basically. Anything that makes you go, oh, oh, like opens up a whole new realm of possibility and gets you realizing like, wait, wait, I have more that I can offer here. That is the good stuff. And I think, again, it just comes down to when you hold something in your heart, if it terrifies you that's actually a good sign (laughs) because that means you care right you're scared because you care so if you have a pathway in front of you and and somebody tells you hey try that and it scares you then go that way because that fear is the thing that's telling you like hey this could be big for you right go that way whenever something scares you like go go head on at it right don't run away But if something just makes you sad, if something just puts you in grief, if something just puts you in apathy, then that's not the direction for you. No matter how good it seems on paper, no matter how much you think that, you know, should be a good fit for you, if it just makes you feel like, oh, I have to keep doing this, then that's not for you. That's not for you. And can we apply that in terms of relationships as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I always say if you have to force it, it's not for you. And that really applies to people as well. So anytime you're in a situation where you just feel like it's, you know, more work than play, (laughs) it's more slog than fun. You know, I I really think somebody said to me, you know, relationships should be like 60% flow and 40% work. Oh, I think that's such bullshit now. I think it should be 90% flow, honestly, because now I'm in a relationship that's 90% flow and I'm never going back. (laughs) I just didn't think that was possible. Right. Right. I always thought like, oh, if I'm not, you know, working at it, then, you know, this is this is not a good, you know, not a useful relationship. Like, no, no, no. The really good relationships are the ones that lift you up and make you feel like you have more energy and more time and more fun and more laughter (laughs) in your life. And those relationships are out there. You just have to stop wasting your time on the ones that feel like you're hitting your head against a wall over and over again, trying to make it work. That person that you're trying to, you know, force it with, they've got somebody out there too that will be 90% flow. Right. You know, and so you got to let them go. You got to let them find that. Absolutely. And this is kind of a tangent, but I, I feel like people really have a hard time doing that. And I think it's for, it's fear-based reasons, right? Oh, yeah. So, like, I, I've come to the place where, I encourage that. Like, 
I've, I've always kind of just done that. Like, Hey, like, you know, I'm not for you. We're not a good fit, but that doesn't mean I want that person to not ever find happiness in the world and be better. (laughs) But people can't make that distinction. Like, just because we weren't a good fit for each other doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't make me a bad person. It was just a compatibility issue. That's it. That's all. Here's what I like to say. It's kind of like uh, when you have a food allergy or intolerance, right? It doesn't mean that food is a bad food. It doesn't mean that that food is toxic or that no one should eat it. It just means that for whatever reason, your system and that food do not play nicely together. That's it. So, you know, if you're allergic to peanuts, don't go around telling people peanuts are evil. Stay away from peanuts. They're going to kill you. Right. Somebody you have else. to stay away from peanuts. Not you have and people who also have your allergy. Stay away. From exactly. And also just because somebody else says like peanuts saved my life, like doesn't mean that you should be like, oh, OK, well, then peanuts are great. I'm going to go back with. Pe-. No. Yeah. Everybody's different. <laughs> everybody's different and that and and also over time things can change too right you might you know uh over time realize that that intolerance has has shifted or changed and then you re-meet that that thing or that person and you go hey things are things are different now things could be different because their their you know chemistry has changed and my chemistry has changed but for right now if something isn't working just let it go just let let it go and and in, in terms of relationships, especially, and this is actually professionally and um, uh, personally, all of my, if I've ever done business with someone and it didn't mm-hmm. work out, usually down the line, they try to do another, you know, venture with me of some sort. We, you know, want to, you know, do a, a, vent, a venture or project, something um, where they, you know, maybe try to utilize my skills in a different way. Maybe we're working a different role, but it's people usually come back. It's in often girls, you know, girls I've dated, same thing. It's it's Mm -hmm. very rare that um, I can count the people that don't more so than the people that, um, that do. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's very, um, but you have to make sure it's a good fit and the timing is right and things have changed. You know, there's reasons why things weren't working out initially. And, but, but that's not always, that's not forever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You just got to give yourself the time to really like fully heal from that um, so that you're not immediately going back into a toxic pattern with somebody. You got to have that time and that space to kind of let both parties heal. And then often life just puts you back together. You know, you'll be walking down the street and you know, someone you haven't seen in years will, you know, be there and you go, Oh, hi, look, Hey, Hey you. And that is a good sign that this is a time to reconnect to them. You know, don't force it, but just be open to when the universe deems, you know, the, the divine timing such that that will come back to you in some way. It's all about being in the state of flow. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just, the, the older I get and the more I experience, the more I learn to just trust the freaking universe and stop trying to push the world. I think that was something I told you I struggle with, right? When we did your um, yeah. podcast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Definitely check out that episode, everyone. Um, 
It was such a good episode. Such a great conversation. Absolutely. One of my favorites. So, Phenomenal. yeah. So let's, let's, let's stay there for a second. How your podcast is really unique. You have a lot of different guests, but your episode format can change as well. Sometimes the conversation and this, and this happens on here as well. Um, some conversations are 30 minutes. Some conversations end up being closer to like two hours. Yep. It, it all goes back to flow for you, right? Definitely. I think I like to really keep things organic. I find the joy of discovery is like the whole thing. <laughs> and so sometimes I can tell, you know, when I start asking questions that somebody is too rehearsed and they've told this story too many times and they're not really in it anymore. And so then I'll try to take them in a new direction or I'll try to get them to dig a little bit deeper on something so that we can have that moment of like, oh, I never looked at it like that. You have that shift of perspective or discovery that the audience can share in as well. Because I think that's the magic right there is when we have those moments of like, oh, okay, yeah, I see that now. Like sometimes I listen to the uh, guests that I have on and other podcasts that they've been guest on. And it's good for background, but I don't want that to be the same conversation. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, I actually guess that I see have a pattern of doing that. I'm less apprehensive to have them on the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so let's get back into storytelling, but I want to take it from this lens. Do you consider yourself an empath at all? Yes, definitely. And that was something that I fought for a long time. Um, And that may sound really strange, but it was one of those things that was very frowned upon and looked down upon, I think, um, in my household growing up. Mm -hmm. My father is a scientist and he, you know, if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist. (laughs) So he is one of those people that's very like data driven. And so my gifts were just a complete freaking mystery and frustration, I think, to him. And my mom um, is the same way I am. And because they didn't get along very well, um, it was really hard for me to see the way that he dismissed her and then think, oh, okay, so now I'm going to, this is going to be dismissed as well. Like I shouldn't even say anything. And so I never even talked about it really growing up or, or, or tried to explore that part of myself. It was something that I just sort of looked at as an inconvenience more than anything else. Like, oh no, now I have to feel what everybody else around me is feeling and I can't do anything about it. (laughs) I felt a victim to it. And it wasn't until I actually, it's a very, (laughs) so uh, can we, can we tell a little story here? Is this like, absolutely. this, uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to shock some people with this story. I just want to like put that out there. There's some sexual content here. It might freak you guys out. Okay. But we're like, this is the good stuff. Okay. This is the honesty. Are we ready for this? We're ready. We're all ears. <laughs> so this was back in junior high school. And I don't know if you remember what it's like to be like 13 years old. Okay. You've got all these hormones just like freaking racing through your body and you don't know what to do with them or what the hell is going on. So I had my first, I got, I landed my first real boyfriend. Okay. And this was such a big deal, like in my circles that like, if you had a boyfriend, you were like the cutest. 
so I was so excited. I was like, I got this boyfriend. I'm so excited about this. Well, one day, um, my, my boyfriend and my best friend and his best friend decided to stop by my house without, you know, calling in advance. And this was before cell phones or anything. So like they didn't text, they just like showed up. Right. Well, my dad said, Hey, go ahead and go downstairs. She's downstairs in her room. What they did not realize what none of them realized is that I was right in the middle of a very interesting session of self-exploration. And I had stolen my dad's Playboy magazine and I had this, no, it was the penthouse, penthouse magazine. I had the girl on girl spread open and I was also spread open and they walked right in. And so there was this moment and I don't know if they were more mortified or I was, but you know, again, imagine 13 years old. This was like the worst thing that could ever happen to you, right? So <laughs> they tried to act like nothing weird was going on. I tried to act like nothing weird was going on. It was a total catastrophic failure. They left very quickly. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe this won't be such a big deal. You know, they're my besties, right? That's my boyfriend. That's my best friend. That's his best friend. They're on my side, right? They're my team. So I was hoping that, you know, like, like Las Vegas, uh, what happened in my room would stay in my room. Yeah. <laughs> but no. Middle school, right? Right. So the next day, I mean, imagine it was like a tabloid stand, right? And I was the cover story on every stand as I walked by. And so, I, I mean, it, it got so bad. Sorry, I'm taking a drink here. It got so bad that by lunchtime, I was just crying my eyes out in the bathroom, you know, like you do as a 13-year-old girl. I was called every nasty name in the book that day. And so as I'm like sitting here in the bathroom, crying my eyes out, I'm thinking, okay, what are my options here, right? Like, can I move to Guam and change my name? No, probably not because my dad would never like uh, let me do that. Um, so I can't just like run from the building and never come back. That's not really an option. Uh, could I just curl up and die? Like, could I actually will myself to just die right here? No, that's not really happening either. So I decided that my only real option was to fight. My only real option was to go out there and, you know, look him in the face and own it. <laughs> because I couldn't deny it. Like, I was caught red-handed. Right. Like there's no way you could like misconstrue what they saw as like anything other than what it was. And it was three people against you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And they didn't have photographic evidence, but like, you know, they had some specifics. <laughs> right. So I was like, OK, I've just got to own this. I, like and this was where I, this came to me in that moment. And it's become one of my favorite little sayings. If you can't hide it, pour glitter on it. So I walked out and I, well, I first actually what I did was I had a little notebook with me and I wrote down like 50 prepared comebacks, things I could say when That's people awesome. said mean things to me about it. And some of them were just little one-liners, you know, like, uh, don't you, duh, uh, <laughs> you know, all the way up to like full, full little sort of uh, scenes that I would play out in my mind. Like, hey, you know, look around, look at what I'm working with. Can you blame me? 
hey oh, you know, had to take matters into my own hands. Oh. And so <laughs> it became this thing where I actually started to look forward to these weird little interactions where someone would say like, hey, you're the girl who bangs herself. And I'll be like, oh, yeah. Hey, you know, don't worry about it. You missed it. But I bet later on today there's going to be a full reenaction in your bedroom. So it's all going to be fine. And I became this weird sort of like comedian, I guess, in the hallways. And I started to really look forward to these little interactions. And what ended up happening, and this was the completely unforeseen consequence of all of this, and the point of this whole story, by the way, is that people started to Because I was so willing to talk about this stuff openly, and nobody else was. And so all of a sudden, I had all these people coming to me with their questions and concerns and stories. And I'm going, oh, everybody needs to talk about this. It's not just me that's exploring. Like, everybody's doing this right now. But nobody's talking about it, and everybody thinks they're a freak. And so that whole experience is what led me to realize that I had this gift for coaching and for just helping people to be so wow so there was a lot there in that story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes middle school is always such not, an interesting time. yeah I was not planning to tell that story today by the way that is not a story I usually tell but it just seemed appropriate. Uh, thank you. I don't know if it's quite an exclusive, but thank <laughs> you for that. You know? pretty, pretty darn close. Only people went so, to my school, you know, and, and have been friends for a very long time. <laughs> awesome. Well, so you said you started writing the comebacks there. Is that where you're, had you been writing previously to that? It is actually. Again, uh, I think I was also writing a journal at that time, but the journal was very much just like, you know, oh, this, you know, uh, girl was mean to me, and oh, this boy didn't say hi to me in the hallways. So I don't know if I really count that. Okay. I definitely think that was the first writing I did for an audience, you could say. Right, because, you know, you're making it as a comeback snippy based on the exactly, environment yeah. and so it, and even in your podcast you have a lot of um comedic <laughs> i like to think so i mean so i think something... humor is so important like there's a lot of things that you should take seriously in in the world but yourself is definitely not one of them because like we're just a, a silly silly absurd race of human <laughs> people like there's so much about us that is just so silly and so funny and if you don't laugh at yourself you're missing most of the good material so i absolutely try to uh have a sense of humor about myself and my silly absurd life uh and and the world in general but me especially <laughs> so Let's take it back. Do you consider yourself um, a multi-potentialite at all? I am not. I am not. Please explain. So it's like a um, a polymath 
or um, kind of like the people say jack of all trades, but that's not really it. Um, multi-potentialite is someone who feels like they have potential in multiple um, fields. I would they have different. Purposes. I would argue that you have just described right. human beings. I think everybody has potential in multiple areas. In fact, I think everyone has gifts in multiple areas. One of the things that I really try to do with my clients is to help them realize that by giving their gifts in all the different areas that they can, um, they're not, you know, uh, I, I think that's actually the way to figure out who you are. <laughs> because by giving your gifts, you get back so much. And by giving gifts in lots of different areas, you get back more than you could ever have imagined. And I think anything that you decide to do, you will want to give gifts in multiple areas that will feed back into that central purpose as well. Like I think of myself as, you know, a creator. I think I'm here to create things. Most of them are, you know, when we think of creativity, we often think of the arts. And yes, a lot of my stuff happens to be uh, around the arts. But I also think just problem solving, anything can be creation. And the more I, the more I create in various areas, the more material I have for my core creation, which is, you know, writing and talking, podcasting, communications, right? But I don't, I don't think that it's a good idea ever to kind of cut off any portion of your potential. Because I think that's often what people do. They think they have to focus. They have to pick one thing. And just... Well, we're trained to do that, right? Me? You know, throughout our yeah, school. Yeah, exactly. System. It's like they say, oh, okay, well, you're this, you're that. And they label you and they put you into this, you know, they shuffle you into <laughs> this area and out of that area. And th- I think that's such a tragedy because that cuts off your natural curiosity and it tells you, you know, you're qualified for this. You're not qualified for that. And so people stop trying in those areas that they think they're not qualified at. And that's nonsense. That's absolute nonsense. You can always learn. You can always grow. You can always create in any area. You know, like think right now, the, the a major myth I would say is, where we tell entrepreneurs that you have to be an entrepreneur right. full time. Right. Or we tell people you're, if you have a nine to five, um, that you can't really consider yourself mm-hmm. an entrepreneur <laughs> or, you know, you, or it's fine that you don't, um, if you have a nine to five, you're good. Just focus on your nine to five. You don't have any other gifts or you're doing that because you don't have any other. And most of the time, that's not the case. It's very rare to find someone who's only yeah, good at I... one thing. Now, they might be more talented <laughs> in a particular area, right? You know, not all talent is going to be equal, but it's usually. I have never out. in my life met a one trick pony. I don't think they exist. I think there are lots of people who are not exploring all their different talents and all the different areas that they could be, you know, gifted at. Um, But, you know, if you look at just like kids, right, kids before they're told like, oh, you're this, you're that, uh, do this, don't do that. Kids love to do all kinds of different things, right? 
I have never seen a kid that's like, you know, oh, I'm no good at drawing until somebody told them that. Like we. Or until they were exactly to another. Exactly. Right. Everybody has potential in multiple areas. Absolutely. I think people like sports, Mm -hmm. right? All kids like sports until it's, they're not getting, they're the last people to be called. Exactly. Yeah. Or it becomes so, you know, fiercely competitive that then they feel like as an empath, you know, I've always had this problem of, because sports were uh, taught to me as this very competitive cutthroat thing, right? That you have to like crush the competition. And like, if you're not a winner, you're a loser. And so that told me, oh, well, then if I'm winning, then somebody else is losing. And I don't want that. And so I, you know, I became the person who would like throw the game because my best friend was on the other team. <laughs> like, like handle that. Right. Uh, I, I, I didn't understand at the time that I could still enjoy the compersion of whoever wins um, and, and be a good sport, you know, about it because that was not the environment that I was in. You know, it's funny you say that I've had falling outs with friends over games of right? basketball. <laughs> like, where we went three years without talking and we used to be super close friends hanging out all the time our families know right and how ridiculous is that well you beat me in basketball oh you oh no no i'm you know and it's that's yeah yeah it's kind of ridiculous right a little bit and and i've also when i was younger you know i remember uh not my teammate fell down, but someone on the other team was hurt and I helped mm-hmm. pick them up, you know, after I gave a pass or, and then, you know, I think there was one time when I scored a goal and the goalie kind of looked defeated after. And I was like, Oh, are you okay? And, you know, I had to stop doing that because it kind of looks like you're trash right. at that point, right. you know? That, that didn't need to come from me, I guess. I didn't, I wasn't thinking of it like that. I was too young to really mm-hmm. know what that was. But um, this is like, you know, first grade soccer or whatever it yeah. was. But, um, you know, it comes out because uh, I asked you if you're an empath. But, um, and I, I don't think we covered this on the show when we did yours. Um, but I'm an empath. But I, it's my theory that women are stronger empaths than Interesting. Men naturally. I don't know how you feel about that, but yeah, that's kind of, I, and I've had, I think we're up to, you might be fifth or sixth hmm. empath on the show, something like that. Yeah, we've had a good number of empaths on the show. Here's what I would say. I think, I, I tend to think not in terms of like men versus women, but the divine feminine and the mm-hmm. divine masculine, which you can find in everyone, right? In diff- in varying degrees. I think we all have yeah exactly exactly we all have feminine qualities we all have masculine qualities and i don't mean like feminine as in like you like daisies um i mean like yin and yang right you have the 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 action and then you have the reception (laughs) and both of those things are necessary you have you know the soil and you have the seed like that there's there has to be because of this existence and okay, I'm going to get a little high level and philosophical for a minute here. Just go with me. Um, 
everything is one, right? At base, like the, the truth of the universe is that all things are one. There is only energy. There's just one thing. But in order for us to experience anything, we had to split. And so everything became binary. You have light and dark and good and bad. All these different binaries came into being. And masculine and feminine is just one of those binaries. And so when you talk about empathy, I do think that is a feminine quality in the sense that it is about connectedness. Whereas the masculine energy is that force that drives things apart and moves things forward. And again, you need both of those. That might have been too much. <laughs> no, no. I actually agree with that. Um, you know, I think things all kind of work yeah. hand in hand. And it's, you know, um, it's all about yes. balance and- ultimately. And, but that looks different. It's not a the problem. Line. I think in the world in general right now, if you could just like put, you know, one, one, right. one label on like the problem with the world is that it's out of balance. It's been <laughs> out of balance for a long time. Yeah. And it's been uh, weighted toward the masculine and the feminine has not been given uh, enough value. And so stillness is not given value. Just being is not given value. If you're not out there producing and creating and, you know, (laughs) being active all the time, you're looked at as being lazy and worthless when everything is needed. Stillness is needed. You know, doing nothing is needed. (laughs) Going inside and contemplating is needed. All of that. So I just think this, this world in general could really benefit from a big dose of the divine feminine. And I don't mean that in like the feminist, you know, like women need power kind of way, although that is also accurate. Um, I just mean men can find that energy within them as well. And that can help combat this, you know, you can say toxic masculinity or overbalanced masculinity, right? Yeah. And, and I, I think it's even a misunderstanding of masculinity right. yeah. as a whole. And I think that misunderstanding of yeah. femininity as well. It's just we're not getting it because I think when we're out of alignment, we're only fulfilling part of our purpose if we're lucky yep. at this point. How can we possibly be in balance with anything else? Indeed. Yeah. How can you? It's the same thing with, you know, if you don't love yourself, how can you love anyone else? If you're not in balance with yourself, how can you be be in balance in any sense? It all starts within. Exactly. So we we can't, and that causes a societal shift. Yeah. You know, us as individuals, how we create families and then what we do is, you know, in groups. And so it's um, very interesting, but I think that we're, starting to shift where we're getting a better understanding and handle of these things you know once we start understanding ourselves more we'll be able to apply some of these skill sets yeah I definitely see a shift and I've been feeling that more and more actually since the pandemic started um you know for better or worse I really think that's been one of the 
everyone. Yeah, I think that's been one of the beautiful, if you could say collateral beauty, you know, things that have come out of this, um, is that people are finding that balance because of the stillness that it has created. It's sort of a forced stillness and passivity for a little while. Um, And it's helping people to recognize like, oh, there's all this, you know, fertile ground here for me to play in and try new things and create in ways that I never even thought about creating. And it's pretty beautiful. Sorry, can you say that again? There's, um, it sounds like you're underwater. Hello. Yes. Yes. I can hear you now. Can you hear me now? Okay. So tell us more. What can people expect from your podcast? Yeah. You have three seasons so far. Are we one? Yeah. Season four four is coming out in May and I am so excited about it. Um, This is actually a perfect segue because I'm calling it hindsight 2020. And so it's, It's all about the pandemic and all of the collateral beauty that has come out of the pandemic. All of the obstacles that people have overcome and the beautiful unexpected gifts and lessons that they have gotten from this time. And already I am so blown away by the stories that I have heard. Some incredible, you know, stories of survival, but also some beautiful stories of just (laughs) turning things on their head and taking a bad situation and making not just the best of it, but making something out of it that they never would have conceived of in any other circumstances. So I'm really excited about it. I'm really looking forward to that season. I uh, definitely still have some episodes to catch up on, on the previous seasons, but um I love the content. I yeah. love the variety. You know, it, it's not all, it's, it's very different. I, so I, I feel like you're creating, you're giving us different sides of yourself, which I think is so important because you really get a sense of exactly what your yeah, message well, is, right? What I really think, you know, again, the more I see of life and the more I try different things, the more I realize that you really, the only way to teach is by example. Like if you're not out there, you know, walking the talk, if you're not out there actually doing the thing that you want to teach other people how to do, like not only will no one take you seriously, but it will never stick. Like you have to do it yourself and then people will naturally follow. So by, you know, putting myself out there, being vulnerable, telling these stories, even when it feels like too much information, (laughs) I think that gives other people permission to be like, you know what? I've got a pretty out there story too, but I think somebody probably needs it. And I think especially this last year, you know, we, we haven't even taken the time to look back because we've just been treading water for so long. And so I really wanted to give people that moment to take a breath and look back and see how far they've come since the beginning of the pandemic. So, how did your writing look like in terms of um, the time during the pandemic? We kept hearing like a lot of people. Oh like, yeah. A surge Big time. For writers. <laughs> yeah. For me, I actually, um, I published three books uh, last year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. And 
the first one was actually my dissertation. I just decided, you know, hey, I have this. I'm going to polish it up and, you know, make it into a book and put it out there. And when I did that, I realized, wait, it was that easy that like I expected there to be some, I don't know, big, you know, grand hurdle to jump. And actually these days it's incredibly easy to publish. You can just self-publish on Amazon. It takes, you know, five minutes. <laughs> and so I was like, wait a second, what am I waiting for? Why am I not doing this? And so there was a story that I had been working on for literally 20 years. And it's the story of, you know, my abusive first marriage that began when I was in Africa and how that, you know, crazy experience in Africa sort of morphed into this uh, crucible, this sort of personal crucible that I had to survive and then figure out how to get out of that, you know, pattern of abuse. And then once I had published that book, I realized there was more to that story because I kept getting this question of like, okay, but then how did you get out of that pattern long-term? Because the thing about an abusive pattern is that it's usually not just one, right? It's not just like you and one person. It plays itself out over and over again until you fix what's going on inside of you. Because even though, yes, it's not your fault that somebody else treated you like crap, right? It is still your responsibility to break that pattern and make sure it doesn't recur either with you as the victim or as you with you as the abuser, which is a really common story as well. Because people see it and they go, oh, well, that's how to be powerful. That's how to win. Unconsciously, not consciously. But they think, oh, okay. Well, now, so then in their next relationship, they take on that role of manipulator so that they won't get manipulated because they've lost trust that there's a balance possible. And they don't, know how to teach people how to treat them with respect because they don't have a good basis for that and they don't have a good um what's the word i'm looking for example you know in their life of that a, go- a model that's the word i'm looking for they don't have a good model for that so the next book that i wrote was called enough and that book is basically a guidebook it's a workbook for how to recognize emotional abuse, um, either as the victim or the perpetrator, and to break that pattern within yourself so that it doesn't keep perpetuating. I love that. Yeah. So, and we can find all the books. Yes, sir, you sure can. I'm definitely going to read all of your books and then if it's okay with you, maybe I would love that so much. That would be absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Melting Ivory. That's the book about, uh, you know, my time in Africa. Um, that's the one that I've gotten the strongest response to, I think, because it's such a crazy story <laughs> and people just love crazy stories. Yeah. Just, Twist it's like turns. a wild, wild ride that I went on you guys. And also it just takes place in this really interesting backdrop where a lot of people have not been, which is West Africa. And so um, you can learn a lot just about that, that place and that culture by reading this book, as well as about, you know, how anyone, anyone can end up in an abusive situation. You know, I, of course, had certain risk factors, but I think anybody really 
can find themselves in a situation like that and then suddenly go, what? wait, whoa, whoa, how did I get here? How did this happen? And so this really is the sort of map of like, this is how it happens. Here's how to recognize it. Here are all the off ramps I didn't take <laughs> that you could take if this ever happens to you. And then even if you do end up in the boiling pot of water like I did, you can still get out and here's how. Yeah. I love that. I have so, so many more <laughs> questions for you. I, this hour was definitely not enough. I'd well, I'd love to come that. back. That sounds wonderful. Maybe after you read my book and we can talk about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I did have um, really okay. two more questions for you really quick. Um, and uh, so I'm going to give you the two questions now. Um, do you have any questions for me that you want to throw? No, out I mean, I, I had up? such a great conversation then... with you when you came on my podcast and I really encourage people to go and listen to that. Um, I got a chance to ask you, you know, so many questions then, and you're such a fascinating person. Um, but I, you know, I, I didn't want to spend too much time on that on here, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So segue to our um, next question. It was perfect because I really love the um, visualization yeah. meditation that we yeah, did it's a really fun on one. your podcast. And I was wondering if you could take us I'd love to. through one yes. as we close out this Can episode. I take you through what I call my hero's journey? Uh, man, uh, uh, what's the word? You just used it. <laughs> I'm forgetting this. No, it's um, visualization. Sure. Visualization yeah. meditation? Great. Okay. Great. Yeah. Okay. So let's take a deep breath together. And then this time as you breathe in, I want you to see colored light come into your body. So what color was your light? Okay, try it again. And I want that blue to be even brighter now. Just really glowing. And then one more time, bring it in. And I want this, this time the blue to be a little bit purple, okay? Perfect. Now, if you haven't already, I want you to close your eyes, okay? And I want you to picture in front of you a door. A door has just appeared there in front of you. And... Don't spend too much time, you know, creating the colors of the door and everything, but just I want you to really feel the, this moment where you're standing at this door and you've come back from this incredibly long and arduous journey. You've been through something just really overwhelming and now you are home. This is the door to home. And so as you reach for the doorknob and it's cold, I want you to feel the contrast as the door opens and this warmth just radiates out towards you. And you walk inside, close that door behind you, and I want you to describe to me what you see. I see. I see mm. the beach. 
mm-hmm. the water and um, I hear music playing. Kind of music. Um, like pop music, mm. R&B music. I think it's nice. my music. So you can feel that warm sand on your feet as you walk down toward the water. And as you're coming towards the water, you realize that you are not alone here. There's someone here who you trust completely, who just feels like home to you. And that person comes up to you and gives you a big, warm hug. And just take a moment and feel what that feels like. And they whisper to you, welcome home. And they say to you, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. But I need you to know that there are still people back there struggling. They're struggling through what you just went through. And I want you to remember for a moment, just being way back at the beginning, when you were kind of looking up at this, what felt like an insurmountable obstacle at the time. What is it that you're seeing? Where are you stuck? Now I feel like I'm climbing a mountain yeah. and I'm falling. So you're climbing up this mountain, clawing, I would even say, up the mountain. It's so Clawing. steep, yes. you can yes. barely get a foothold, right? You keep slipping down. I'm slipping. Your fingers are bleeding yeah. a little bit. I mean, you're just, it, it feels impossible. It feels impossible to get over this thing. My body's mm-hmm. limp at this point. But then somehow, you know, you, you've, you've kind of hit this rock bottom point, right? Where you can't go any further down, right? You're, you, you know, the only way out is through this obstacle. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. What comes to mind then when I say that, that rock bottom moment, what is that for you? I think it's just me and my mind Mm -hmm. feeling stuck. Um, Just like not being able, seeing what, seeing home, seeing what peace feels like, seeing what accomplishment feels like, seeing different versions of myself where I feel like I'm at my best, but not being able to see the pathway there. Got it. And so in that moment, you realize you have to change something. You've been trying to go straight up, right? And that's just not working for you. It's just not going to work. And so what you realize is that you actually can tunnel through this thing. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be arduous. (laughs) But you actually can do it. And so you have a pickaxe. And I want you to just start picking away at that thing. And feel what that feels like knowing that this is going to be a long process, but it actually starts to work. You actually start to make some progress doing this. 
It feels yeah. hard, but it also gives me a sense of hope because I feel like I have some control yeah. over the situation and I'm making an impact, a, a figurative exactly. and a literal impact on the, the way. And as you start to go through, you realize that as you're doing this, it's coming away in bigger and bigger chunks. That at first it was like you were making just tiny little dents, but as you kind of get momentum, it's actually coming away in big chunks. And soon enough, you start to see that little pinpoint of light at the other, on the other side. And so you just keep put, you know, powering through, getting, getting through there until finally you realize that you're looking at this from a whole new perspective and you realize, wait, I'm on the other side. Now things don't feel that different because you're still kind of inside <laughs> this tunnel, but you realize that you're more than halfway through and that you are going to get through this. And what does that feel like? It feels worthwhile. Like everything that happened before was supposed to happen so that this yeah. moment could happen. Yeah. Step back for a comeback. Exactly. And then there's that moment when you break through. You break through and the sun comes shining onto you. And you realize that your ordeal maybe isn't completely over because you're not quite home yet. But it's all downhill from here. It's going to be much easier from now on. And I want you to just see that kind of path down to the doorway that you just ran and ran and ran all the way down to get back to where you are now. And find yourself back on that beach and find yourself there with this person who's telling you, all right, now you just need to tell this story so that the people who are stuck back there at the, at the beginning back where you were trying and trying and trying to claw your way over that thing so that they have hope and they have a roadmap to get through that thing. They have a tool. We've got that pickaxe, right? To get them through this. And I want you to see them there and then think in your mind, what do you want to say to them? To say, I did what I had to do to make an easier pathway for you. So I hope with this story, your own skill set and the right tools, that this will be an easier experience for you and that you can continue to make it as easy as possible for the next people that have to come through. And repeat cycle, continue to give that message. Set Beautiful. The and I want you to see that people are actually starting now to show up. Once you told them where the opening was, they were actually able to get through it very quickly because you already went through so much work to clear that path that now they're, they're joining you down on this beach and they're building fire and throwing a party and inviting you to join them. And tell me what you see now.
I see home in the distance or maybe mm-hmm. memories of home. And I see new relationships being forged and um, new cycles being started. And even more tools being created, more resources and more story, more stories Beautiful. being shared. Do you get any specifics of new tools that might be of use to you? I think, I think I get like a different, maybe more gloves. Um, What I see is more of like, it's all quick. And I see just like, or I feel more so than what I see, but it's just like you can almost visualize the level of innovation and creation yeah. that's going on in the moment, being glimpses of what's being Yeah, made. it's almost like there's a workshop here. Beautiful. Yeah. Maybe together as a group, as a community, you can create a power tool that will just burrow right through that thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Can you open your eyes? So what was that experience like for you? It's the same way as it was before. It's always so <laughs> surreal. I feel like I'm traveling to different Exactly. And yet like it's all here and now. That's the beauty of it. Like it's all, you know, the past and the future, that's all just an illusion, right? There's only now. And, and you always create your now by what you choose to focus on. Exactly. So we have to stay in the now and stay in the present. I was looking at an episode you have about being present. I'm sure you have more than that one, but the particular title stuck out to me. So I was definitely. Yeah, there's some, there's a couple of really good ones uh, for that. Absolutely. So how do people find you? How do people work (laughs) with you? So you can find me, my work, uh, my uh, website is that's allowed, T-H-A-T-S-A-L-O-U-D.com. There you can find links to my podcast. You can find ways to work with me. You can find links to my books, all that good stuff. So come and see me. Love to have you. Yes. I want to work with her, you guys. So <laughs> Please do. Please definitely do. Reach out. I would yeah. love that. Good sense. You know, and that for the listeners, you go, you all can practice that as well on your own and you'll feel it. It's, it's surreal. It's a totally different experience. You're, you're very gifted, but you're extremely gifted in this area Thank as well. You. So, <laughs> um, and we just want to say thank you for being on the Trap Life podcast and anything we can do to support you. We're definitely doing big fans of your work here on this. Uh, well, thank podcast. you so much. And it's just been an absolute honor to be on here again. I really hope you'll all go and check out uh, Pete's episode on my podcast because it was really one of my favorites. Definitely one of my favorite uh, guest appearances as well so we're definitely in alignment (laughs) on that well until the next time that we have you back be well and uh we wish we wish you the best on your journey
more stories to tell.